This morning's scripture reading is from Hebrews 2, verses 5 to 15. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to, to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honour, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who, for a little while, was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honour because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Katie. It's always good to have a long one sometimes. Thank you for doing that. Um, oddly enough, we're continuing on our Fear Not series. I thought we were done. And then as this uh, last couple of weeks have progressed, I thought, oh, no, it's not quite over. Uh, there's something else uh, that we need to talk about that uh, we don't need to fear uh, as those who are in Christ that are following after him. Now, my, my daughter and I, uh, Georgia, we were in the car together. We were going to an orthodontist appointment. Uh, it was an unscheduled orthodontist appointment, and so we were headed that way because a wire had come loose in one of her, off of one of her brackets, and so we needed to go get that put back in. And so um, oftentimes uh, when it's myself and, and one of my daughters or children going, I get to talk to them kind of unfettered, right? Nobody's around. It's just the two of us. Uh, with a large family, you don't often get that. And so we're driving along, and out of the blue, uh, Georgia says to me, and by the way, even though Georgia's not in here, she's helping in the crèche today, I did ask her permission to tell this story, so just so you know. So later you can ask her, and she'll say, yes, I did. Actually, what she said, she gave me carte blanche, actually. She said, Dad, anything that we talk about you can uh, use in a sermon if you want to. And I said, that is dangerous. Uh, anyway, uh, so we're going along, and she just out of the blue says, you know, my life is going exactly as I had planned. And I thought, wow, wow, that optimism, that's awesome, that's so good. And, and I thought she was going to be, you know, like, and it's, and it's headed the, the direction I want it to go. And so I said, oh, really? Well, so what, what direction is that? So I thought we were going to talk about, like, you know, 15 years down the road or something. And Georgia says to me, well, 
I'm 14. I have a job that I like, which she does Penny Lane's Baba Lala, so she helps little toddlers have fun singing. And so she's like, I, I wanted to do that since I started going to, to Penny Lane's. I've got braces. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. And so it was just like everything that I've wanted, exactly the way that I've wanted, is panning out for my 14-year-old self. And then she goes, yeah, except for that death thing. And I said, oh. Now, over the last year and a half, outside of the pandemic that has been going on, our personal family, through friends and those that we love, have experienced quite a bit of death. We've had people close to us. The, the, the person that she really thought that she would be doing this music school with died a little over a year ago. Her best friend had, had a son that was born, a, a child that was born, not a son, a, a baby brother that was born, who was very ill and survived for a year. We found out that they were pregnant when we were visiting in 2019. Georgia longed to see this baby, but the baby passed away. So she never got to see him in person, face to face, hold his hand. Just in the last few months, starting in June, we've had two people that were very close to us in the States pass away that were close to Georgia as well. And so here, and it was sort of this off-the-cuff comment, you know, my life is going great except for death. And I feel like that's kind of how all of us are, right? It's almost as if it's in the back of our mind just gnawing, waiting to push itself to the front. And sometimes we do just kind of cast it out like that. Yeah, everything's good except for death. But sometimes it is so palpable to us that it is constantly in our view that we just cannot bear to think of anything else but that. I don't think it's just a problem for us and for those of us who follow Christ. I think the whole world deals with that. Uh, Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, or one of the richest men in the world, has started a quest for something. Now, you've heard the statement that there's only two things certain in the world, right? Death and taxes. Well, Jeff Bezos has already figured out how to get out of corporate taxes, so now... He is trying to figure out how to extend life forever. He is heavily invested in a couple of companies. Man, I'd like to get in front of Jeff Bezos because he seems like he could easily be taken. <laughs> Who will say to him, we're going to figure out how to make you live forever. And Jeff's thinking, well, I've been up in space, so I might as well put money towards that. There's this fear of death that, that comes over us that scares us. Now, I know some of you sitting here are, are, are going, no, no, I, I welcome it. It'd be good. And some of you, that's because you've lived a long life. And some of you, that's because you're in the middle of it. Right? Your life is not going the way that you thought it should be going. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I don't know. Death might be a welcome relief. And so I think we do, though, any time we engage with it, we step into it with a, a certain amount of trepidation, a certain amount of, of fear. 
But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, for those of us who have been called by his name, for, for those of us who walk in this path with him, this journey of his everlasting, steadfast, pursuing love, then we have actually a different perspective on death than even Jeff Bezos does. That we can somehow figure out how to extend life. We see that talked about in this Hebrews chapter 2, verses 15, 5 through 15. I, I want to just drop down to that last part. It's there in your worship booklet if you want to look at it there. I just want to read this last couple of verses, and then we're going to kind of jump back up so that we can see what's going on. It says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, the accuser, and he delivers all those who fear, through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now, see, here's what's going on here. There's a recognition that things are not the way they're supposed to be. That when God created the world, that there was a movement by God in his creation, in his loving creation, that death actually would not be part of the process. All right, so let's jump back to Adam and Eve. Let's go back to creation of the world. And he creates it, and it is all good. And he says to Adam and Eve, this is good. But don't eat of that tree. Right? And so they go and they look at it and they're standing there together. Let me be real clear here. They're standing there together. And Satan, through a serpent, talks to Eve. And Adam sits there quietly and watches. Eve bites an apple or a mango or something. Adam does, and death enters in. Now, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what God intended before that happened, okay? So I'm not, I'm not saying that if they had not eaten that apple, fruit, whatever it was, if they had not taken of the tree, right, that they would have then, gone, like Adam and Eve would be walking around with us today. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I don't, that's not, that's maybe I'll ask God when, you know, Jesus comes again and we get to ask all the questions, which I seriously doubt we'll have any questions because we'll be too busy going, oh, high, mighty, lifted up, how beautiful you are. So, so don't get trapped there. Don't get stuck there. I, I don't know what that means. But what I do know what it means is that it, 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 it something knocked off its axis. Something went wrong. Things got broken. And so death comes in and it's invited to destroy. And, and that, that there's a place where there is separation then that takes place. And there's a, a place of suffering that takes place. And there's a place of hurting that takes place. And things are not perfect. Things are not as they were supposed to be. Shalom, the peace of God no longer reigns. And so there's brokenness. And that from that time, even until this day, we stand in a place where we are enslaved because we fear separation. We fear death. And that death ultimately is the separation from the one who knows us better than anybody else. The separation from God. And so what we recognize happening here in Hebrews is he says, look, I want you to know, now these folks that are getting this letter, there's persecution that is coming. There are things that are headed their way. They recognize that death is imminent. It could be knocking on their door at any time. And so they might be trembling in their robes and in their tunics. Yet here, 
Here the author of Hebrews says, remember this, that death has been destroyed. The one who had the power of death has been destroyed. And it's been destroyed by the one who has everything subjected to him. That, that up above we see this, that everything is made subjected to Jesus, that he is the one who is over all things. And because he steps into humanness, because he comes and says, I'm going to be completely you <laughs> so that you can be with me, I must partake of suffering and death so that it can be conquered. Now, it doesn't eliminate it for us yet. Suffering still happens. The interesting thing about the way this talks about suffering, listen, verse 10. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their foundation, what? Perfect through suffering. Now, Jesus was perfect from the beginning to the end. Jesus was always perfect. He didn't need the suffering to make him more perfect. But it is a different type of perfection, right? So, so catch this. He is perfect because he is God. But through suffering, he has an experiential perfection with us. So in it, he shows us exactly how we are supposed to respond when suffering comes our way. And it is not with fear. It is not with trepidation. It is as those who know death has been defeated. That the author of death has been defeated. So that when we deal and operate and walk in that place, we are able to have hope by looking up at the one who has suffered for us. Okay, great. <laughs> But what does that mean, practically? That's decent theology, Lee. Got a couple of pastors here who might check me out on that a little bit later. That's good. But what does that mean practically for us? Well, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that we see life, uh, death, and we go, yeah, yeah, death's conquered, so we just give in to it. Right? Death's going to come. It's inevitable. It's conquered, so we don't need to have fear about it. So we might as well just give in to it. So we just might as well let things go. Look, if that was the case, then I wouldn't have recently hired Brooke to be my personal trainer. Right? I've hired Brooke to be our, my personal trainer in order for my body to be fit so that I can be around to see my children get older so that I can be around. Now, that doesn't guarantee that I will be, but it's at least my work that I can do in order to keep myself moving forward. That's not because I fear death. That's because I love life. Right? And see, here's the difference. When our motivation is a fear of death, then those things that we do to keep death from coming become idols to us. They become the things that we elevate and say, I have to be doing this and everybody else should be doing this so that death does not come. But when we see death as being conquered and that my action towards death is to say, I don't need to worry about you, so I'm going to make the most of every opportunity and live my life, it becomes devotion and worship to the God who created life. 
that says, because I know death is taken care of, then I need to make sure every opportunity in my life that I live day by day is one that is focused on bringing him glory and honor and praise through all my actions, through all my thoughts, through all my deeds, and I should embrace every good, gracious thing that God gives me. So those of us who are following after Christ should be those who have a good meal and go, this is an awesome meal. I was with somebody else this week, and I said, I'm sorry I talk about food the way that I talk about food. And they said, no, they actually enjoyed hearing me talk about food that way. I I love it, right? We should be that about everything, that this good, that music, that song is so awesome, that band is so great, that movie, this book that I've read, the beauty of those birds that that are at Bridgetown, they're lovely and gorgeous. That the waves that come crashing in and the rocks that are set up on high and the fact that I woke up this morning and I breathed the breath and my back hurt because I hired a PT recently and it's really killing me. But all of that is beautiful and good. And it's not because I'm trying to avoid something. It's because I am living fully in praise and glory and reaction to that. That's taken care of over there. So every day I must live this way. And we're only able to do that because the one who brings us along. Jesus, it says, is the one that has been given to us so that we can be given to him. That he has put everything, God has put everything underneath him and then brings us to him. So that we are his and he is ours. And it is in that place that we're able to recognize Jesus, who is most fully and absolutely the image of God, also is the image of perfection for man. And so even when suffering comes, we know that that suffering experientially has happened with Jesus himself and we're able to walk together. The recording artist Rich Mullins used to have a saying and then he marketed it, put it on a t-shirt and made some money out of it. He gave it all to charity, which is good. It said, live like you'll die tomorrow, die knowing that you'll live forever. Romans, Paul talks about that. For us a little bit. Romans 14 verses 7 through 9. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles that are in front of you, if you don't want to do it on your device, but in the Bibles that are in front of you, if you've got a big thick Bible in front of you, it's on page 1050. And if you've got a small little thin Bible in front of you, it's on page 553. Romans 14 7 through 9. Now, this is in the midst of a conversation about judging others. And I'll just give you a little hint. Next week, we're actually going to deal with this whole chapter. But we're going to pick up this little piece that's in it for today. Romans 14, verses 7 through 9. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Then it says this in verse 9. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. 
look, death has been taken care of. Your life is laid out before you. And the person who is overseeing it all in care and compassion and steadfast love is the Lord through Jesus Christ. And everything we do, whether we live or whether we die, is unto the Lord. That what we operate as is unto the Lord. So there are things that we do in our celebration of life that sometimes become idols to us. That's not to the Lord anymore. We have to allow the Lord to come back in and change it. There are things that we do in order to avoid death that become idols to us. And when that happens, we go, no, no, I don't live towards that thing that keeps me from this other thing. I live to the Lord. So in all things, we can fear not. Because our focus is not on the things that will pass away, but on Jesus Christ, who is eternal. Who walks with us and talks with us and cares about us and moves into our lives to say, look, even today, there will be deaths. Even today, there will be new lives. And even today for you, you can grab hold of the life that God has given you. Not fearing what is to come, but knowing that he has held you securely in the depths of his love. Let me pray for us.